Over the last two decades, I've been on a quest to learn everything I can about leadership, obsessed with what makes the best leaders so good. After running companies small and large for the last 20 years, today I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo, and I'm your host. I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this topic. What makes the best leaders so good? Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. All right, welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader-related, related to leading yourself and leading other people. And on that note, I know this uh, podcast has drawn a lot of different uh, wide range of audience from corporate leaders and business executives who want to learn from other leaders and also learn leadership principles and strategies. And I've also heard from parents that use this as a way to be a better parent. I've heard from people that use some of these principles to lead themselves better. Whatever your walk of life, whatever you're doing, I'm glad this is helping. I appreciate your feedback and your comments and your suggestions for whether they be guests or topics or even uh, challenges or issues or whatnot. Uh, last week, I had Brian Moore on, somebody who I've known for the last 20 plus years who's done phenomenally well in leading his own life and also leading organizations to great levels of success. I hope you got a lot out of that. Uh, I did too. I enjoyed talking with him and and rekindling some of the old memories and stories. But uh, one of the things that uh, came out of that, and it prompted a great memory of mine, or maybe a not so great memory of mine, but a cool story. And uh, he was talking about his own um, uh, uh, overcoming obstacles and challenges with regard to uh, his triathlons. He's done amazingly well and is an Ironman athlete, which for those of you who don't know, I mean, that is an incredible accomplishment to do an Ironman. An Ironman basically is a combination of a 120-mile bike ride, a two-point-something mile swim, and then a full marathon, like on the back end of that. That's a an Ironman. Now, a marathon itself is unbelievably challenging, but to do an Ironman... All three of those combined, I just that just blows my mind. So he is one of the elite, elite few that have actually accomplished that. So it was cool just to ask him all kinds of questions and everything like that about his experience. So tune into that if you did not get a chance to. But uh, it did bring back my own memory of my one triathlon that I had done. And I'll tell this story. It's a little embarrassing, but it's a fun story. And it actually, I think, makes a great point. But um, so I had been, and you've heard me talk about running and stuff like that. And I certainly, uh, I love exercising. I I hate running. I don't enjoy it, but I love what it does for me. Uh, So at one point in my life, I figured, okay, let me take on the challenge of doing a triathlon. And I had started to get into, I don't know if you know Dick and Rick Hoyt, uh, which is an unbelievably inspiring story that uh, Dick Hoyt is, was in his 60s, could never run and took on running. And ultimately, uh, with his son, who is uh, a, uh, a, a mentally and physically uh, challenged son who he wheels around throughout this whole Ironman and, and tug and uh, has him on a boat, a raft, and he's floating behind him as he's swimming. I mean, unbelievable story. So in any event, I was watching this and learning about him, and I got the opportunity to see him speak. So it got me intrigued with the concept of doing a triathlon. So I ended up uh, doing one. Now, I had um, 
had experience with all three, running, biking, and swimming. In fact, they used to be a lifeguard, so part of what we had to do to train was to swim. We'd swim laps, or we'd swim wherever. Uh, and I felt reasonably confident, or maybe, let me say, very confident in my swimming abilities. Now, the triathlon that I chose to do, on one end of the ex- extreme, you have these ultra athletes and and incredible specimens of human life that are like Brian Moore and others that I that I know a few that have done these Ironmans, which again, unbelievable, tremendous feat. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got what we call sprint triathlons, which a sprint triathlon is the shortest level of triathlon. I think it's the shortest that you you can do. And uh, it's really for that beginner level. So I figured, okay, let me take on this challenge. And and this was a 0.25 mile swim compared to a Ironman, which is 10 times that length. So this is 0.25 miles. It's a, it's a, uh, I think it's a 12 mile bike ride and it's a like three and a half mile run. So it's about a 5k run. So I've done each of those before. And uh, so in training for this, I figured, okay, let me train for the running. I obviously want to keep running and make sure I'm prepared. I will bike for sure because, you know, 12 miles isn't that much. But when you're in a race, you know, I mean, I I don't really, I haven't raced 12 miles before. Uh, And the swim, I'm like, okay, well, it's 0.25 miles. I mean, I can do that. I don't need to train for that. I mean, that's just, that's like a few laps in a pool, right? I mean, it's not two miles. It's not a mile. It's 0.25. And I kind of measured it out in my mind. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's, I I could probably uh, do that in my sleep. So I literally did no swimming, none, did not step foot into the water uh, in preparation for this race. So the day of the race, uh, what I didn't really realize is how many people are there. I mean, it is like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people. And and you go out when you are starting, and f- the first leg of this is the swim. So you're just jumping right into the water. This happened to be in a lake. And, um, you know, you're there. I, I must have started this first wave with a couple hundred people. I mean, in a lake, you're entering the lake at the same shoreline area and they have it so it's it's out you're going out maybe uh whatever 0.1 miles you can see a little buoy out there you make a right it's like a triangle you go out you make a right you make another right and each one is like you know 0.1 miles so it's nothing and then there's you know this lifeguard out there floating around and whatnot in case people have trouble so you know i'm we're getting ready for the race and I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, there's a lot of people here. Like, how do, how do you even get in the water? How do you fit in the water? And, uh, and and sure enough, we're getting closer. I'm starting to get a little, you know, a little nervous. I mean, nervous anxiety, nervous energy. I'm like, okay, well, this is what I need. This is going to propel me to new levels. I'm going to come out of this thing and I'm going to be like, you know, just setting all kinds of personal record. Not that I've done this before, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to feel great. I'm going to be competitive. Maybe this is a whole new area of my life that I'm going to get into. Maybe I will be like Dick Hoyt and and start taking this up and be an Ironman athlete. And this could be the beginning of something like really special in my whole life. And I'm thinking about this. And so, you know, the race is getting closer to starting. And sure enough, we get down to the final few moments and the gun goes off and, and you literally just start walking in the water and get deep enough and start swimming. Well, I get like, you know, you're, you are stacked. People are swimming right next to you. They're bumping into you. You know, legs are kicking all over the place. And, you know, people are just right on top of you. And I'm swimming. And and this immense amount of, like, stress starts building up. I'm like, okay, this is really weird. I'm not used to this. 
then I start realizing, okay, this is really not that easy. Like, this is pretty far. I'm swimming, I'm swimming. And, and I start to realize, okay, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this thing. This is like the cone is down. I can't even make the first cone. And, and I, I start to, like, get a little panic. Now, the people next to me, I guess, could sense it. Because at one point, there, <laughs> the guys next to me are like, hey, buddy, are you okay, man? I mean, he's swimming, like, perfect stride. And he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, get away, just get away, get away. I'm okay, I'm okay. And I'm just now, I'm like in a full-blown panic. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, this is just, rates just started. I'm not even going to finish this swim. And I'm realizing, okay, I'm not prepared for this. I'm really not prepared for this. And I can't, I literally can't even, I'm like winded, I'm out of breath. I'm now starting to tread water. I'm not even to the first cone yet. And uh, people are like assuming I cramped up or something. So I'm going with it. I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever. But uh, I'm, I'm like, at this point, I'm panicked. I'm like, I'm not going to make this thing. What am I going to do? The doggy paddle through this whole thing, uh, through this small little like, you know, lakeside, you know, little 0.25 mile thing. I start to really get panicked and I start to flag down the lifeguard. Like the race just started. I mean, I think we're, you know, two minutes into this thing and uh, the lifeguard's sitting up on his board halfway through and looking at me like, wow. Well, I don't, I don't understand. What, what are you waving at me for? And uh, he would not, <laughs> I'm waving for him to come over to like rescue me. He would literally not come over. I think he was embarrassed for me. And, and so I finally like doggy paddle. I mean, literally, I just, I'm doing the side stroke. I'm doing the doggy paddle. I'm doing the backstroke. I'm doing every possible thing I can to make it through this thing. I get finally to this lifeguard and I get on his board and I'm like, <sighs> <laughs> and this guy's like, dude, you're like, you're 0.1 miles into this thing. He said, are you okay? What's the matter? I'm like, oh, I just, I, 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 don't know. I can't even talk at this point. So at some point, the guy's like, listen, dude, I stood there. I was hanging on his board. He's like, you got to get off. I mean, literally, I, I need to I need to have freedom to move around. I guess I need to help somebody. I'm like, well, what about me, man? Can you get me in? I'm like, he's like, no, dude, no, no. I mean, I've never had a lifeguard refuse to help me. And uh, so long story short, I finally make it back in and I am like mortified. I mean, I get, I finally make it. I'm coming out of the water. I am like barely surviving. I'm out of breath. I'm like dead to the water. And they actually got a picture of me coming out of the water. I look like this big Loch Ness monster, like, and my gut is distended because I'm trying to breathe to save my life. And uh, it's just, it's horrible, horrible marriage. So Needless to say, it was not a great experience. Um, you know, I went on, did the bike, I did the run, uh, and I, I finished like an, an absurdly bad time. I mean, they were like closing down the the whole race, and I remember like coming at the final end of the run, and I see like a seventy two year old guy close to the finish line. I'm like, okay, I have got to at least beat him. And I just went on full on like, you know, chariots of fire in my head, like full on sprint. And I just, you know, throw out my chest the last minute and just barely, you know, beat this guy. So you can see the race statistics. It's like, you know, me like one millisecond ahead of this, you know, 72 year old Earl, whatever. Uh, so crazy. Anyways, that was the beginning and the end of my uh, triathlon experience. And uh, it was painful, painful memory for sure. Me being a lifeguard. I mean, my guess, I, the swim should be the best part of what I do, right? I mean, how could that happen? Ridiculous. Well, you know, what I didn't realize is a couple things. 
One is I totally overassessed my ability. I totally, I had way more confidence in the swim than I should have had. And it affected my whole race, right? It affected everything. And now if you combine that under, under preparation, so the lack of preparation, because I was overconfident, and you also throw in this added amount of stress, I mean, stress brings everything. Either if you are prepared and you're ready for it, sometimes that stress and pressure helps you. Yeah, I talked about that on another episode with doing that speech and that ultimate crazy situation of last minute stress. But when you're prepared, that propels you to a really good place. When you're not prepared, guess what? Like things crumble. So you think about just like stress tests with a plane. I mean, when when they're building a plane, they are doing everything they can to break this plane in testing phase, right? They're they're flexing the wings as much as they can until they literally snap. Uh, they're they're putting 800 gallons of water through the engine per minute to test how much water it can handle on an extreme storm. They're throwing ice at it. They're actually firing out of a cannon. They're firing frozen turkeys through the engines to make sure that if it hits a plane, uh, hits birds in flight, that this engine is not going to seize up or explode or whatnot. I mean, they're doing all these things because they know that even a slightest little imperfection is going to be that much magnified under all this stress, right? So they want to be overprepared. Well, you have to realize that in performance situations, yeah, that added stress is going to bring you to a great place if you are prepared, but if you're not like this, it's just you're going to crumble. Cracks become crumbles. That's actually what happens when stress uh, is present and anxiety is present. So bottom line is I see this in companies. I see this with leaders. I see this with all kinds of people who are ultimately feeling that they are better than they are. And they overassess their skills. And because of that, they don't get the help that they need or they don't practice what they need to. They don't work on themselves and, and they never ultimately reach their potential. This can be a fatal flaw for a leader. It truly can. I've seen this countless, countless times. Leaders that ultimately could have been super successful that are not because they assess themselves as being better than they really are. They think of themselves as being better than they are. Now, confidence is a good thing. But overconfidence can be a disastrous thing, okay? Because it prevents you from seeking the help that you want, that you ultimately need to get. And you have to keep in mind there's there's three things that ultimately contribute to great growth, and that is one is you've got to know that you need help in a certain area, you've got to be willing to get that help, so be advice or coach receptive, and then you got to take action on that help, right? When you combine those three things, I know I need help. I'm receptive and, and want to get help and listen to other people, and then I take massive action on that help and that, those advice, then the result of that is huge growth. It's huge growth. It's exponential growth. But if you take one of those out of the equation, where if I think I'm too good, I don't need the help on this, then ultimately I'm not going to grow. I'm, I'm just not going to grow because then I'm going to overassess myself and things like this happens. And and what I find that, and I think back to this race, had I not overassessed myself and trained properly, I would have had a good race. Now, what I think about, it's not just about that race, but it's about the ripple effect, right? So I don't know, what if I did have a great race? And what if that did kind of got bit by the bug, so to speak, and did more triathlons and then did uh, a, a longer one. And then ultimately, I mean, who knows? I don't know. That's actually how Ironman start off is they do one little one and they get addicted. Well, for me, mine was a really bad experience because I overassessed myself. 
Okay. Now, here's what I think about is how do you, as a leader, what do you do when you're leading somebody like that? What do you do? I mean, honestly, how do you how do you deal with that when you know you're leading somebody that is thinking that they're better than they are? Well, there's a few things that you can do. And I've done this before. One is you've got to base that person in reality, right? You've got to have that person look at facts. So sometimes it's the data. Now, it's not just what people oftentimes do is they think they're good for me for that for that swimming. I was a good swimmer at a period of time. But I assessed my ability to be a good swimmer now based on what I had done like 15 years prior, right? Well, I hadn't been a swimmer in that long. So, so it's got to be recent and it's got to be relevant success at that given task. Okay, it's got to be recent. If I did it 10 years ago, 15 years ago, or even sometimes months ago, that's not recent enough to warrant me feeling really like I'm capable of doing this task right now. Okay, secondly, it's got to be relevant. Just because I spoke in front of uh, 30 people doesn't mean that I have success with speaking in front of 3,000. That's a totally different thing, right? Just because I swam a few laps in a pool doesn't mean I can swim a mile in an ocean, right? I mean, that's, to- that's not relevant. So it's got to be recent relevant success that would say, okay, yes, I'm experienced. I've got a comfort level. I'm good at this. Otherwise, no, you're probably over-assessing yourself. So one is when I'm leading people like that, it's basing them in reality. Hey, let's take a look at the facts. Let's take a look at the data. You think you're really good in this area? Let's just take a look and see at what the numbers say. If I've got numbers to support you know, what we're talking about here. Or if it's something, maybe it's skills or something. Maybe it's videotaping their presentation. Hey, if you feel like you're great at this, great. Let's role play it. Let's videotape this. And then you see and take a look and just let's assess. I'm not saying you're not good at it, but let's actually, before we get into that live setting, let's practice it. Let's see it so you can see for yourself. And sometimes it's other people's feedback. Okay, if you as a leader feel like your strength is communication, well, you may feel that. But if your whole team feels like you're bad at communication, then reality is their perception is your reality. Okay, and you're over assessing your ability to communicate. And I see and hear that all the time. Uh, so those are things that you can do as a leader when you're leading somebody who ultimately is uh, over assessing their ability. Okay, get them down to reality, face the facts. Okay, data. Uh, look, having them come to their own conclusions through putting it in front of them, role playing them. Put you know put, put put them in a live situation. Get feedback from other people. Have other people give feedback to help them come to their own conclusion. So what do you do if that person is you? What if you're the person that's over-assessing yourself, uh, that's ultimately giving yourself uh, kind of the uh, the accolades that you shouldn't necessarily be giving yourself and you're overconfident? Well, in that situation too, we've got to, you got to be a couple things. One is it comes down to self-awareness, right? So I've got to ask myself, okay, why was I unprepared in that situation? Uh, why do I feel like I am really good at something? Even if I am really good at something, okay, is there a room to get better? Uh, but I've just, I have to be, it starts with self-awareness. I've got to be self-aware and say, okay, was this success what I think I'm good at? One, is it my own perception? Am I just feeling like I'm pretty good at this? Or have I gotten other people to tell me that I'm good at this? Okay, if I if I'm doing this podcast and I think it's pretty good, but I don't have any listeners and I have no positive feedback and I don't have a growing audience, well then it's probably just me talking to a camera or talking to a microphone, right? And it's me thinking that. 
If I'm getting feedback that's telling me that, and the indicators are telling me that, okay, great. Okay, then I can measure that based on that. Okay, if I am looking at data that's telling me, giving me uh, permission to think that I'm really good at something, I better make sure that data is recent and it's relevant, right? I've got to be looking at the right things, the right measure of success, which that's another episode we're going to talk about uh, in our in our next episode is how do we look and judge that something's successful? Are we measuring it the right way? Are we looking at the right things? Okay. And what I've always found is the best people in whether it's in sports, in uh, corporate America, teachers, parents, whatever, they are always open to learning better ways. They never they never kind of close themselves off to other people's advice on how they can get better. Because I know as good as I might feel like I am at something, you know, you can always get better. And it's never a bad thing to get to that point where you feel like, okay, I might go to see a seminar and something on a topic that I feel pretty good at. And there might be, you know, nine things that are shared in that seminar that I feel like I already know and I'm really good at. But there might be one thing that's new. It's a different perspective on something. It's a new idea. It's a new tactic. I find people that if they feel like they're 90% on something, they just stop learning. Why not? Why not seek that other idea or that other, if somebody is, if I'm a nine on a scale of one to 10 on a task, there's somebody out there that's a 10. Why would I turn away the opportunity to learn how to get better? Why would I not want to be a 10 at something? That person that's a 10 is going to be able to teach me something. I find the best people, the top leaders are people that seek out people that are better than them. And no matter how good they are at something, they're always looking for somebody who's better than them and learning from that person. Doesn't matter what it is. Relationships, health, uh, you know, school, uh, leadership, marketing, whatever it is. They're always looking for somebody that's better than them. All right. So I hope this was helpful today. Uh, fun story, kind of painful story that uh, brought me back to a really good lesson in leadership and life. And that is overcessing your own abilities with something and how that holds you back from future growth. So, so hopefully you can take something away from this. Be sure to like, comment, share this, subscribe, all that kind of good stuff and keep your ideas and your thoughts and feedback coming. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader for suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching. Reach me at john at loritogroup.com. Once again, that's J-O-H-N at L-A-U-R-I-T-O-G-R-O-U-P dot com. Thanks. Lead on.